Hey, this is Pastor Jeremy from Awakened Church here in Sebring, Florida. I hope you enjoy this week's message. So let's go ahead. We're going to start off where, uh, almost where we left off last week in, the, in chapter 2. I wanted to sit down this week. I wanted to try something, not because I'm being lazy, uh, but I just wanted to try something a little bit different. I wanted to sit down like you. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I wanted to just match your energy while I'm preaching. All right. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm just kidding. That was mean. Wasn't it mean? Okay. So, so we're picking up halfway through the scriptures that we read last week, and we're going we're gonna to mine some truths out of last week's message, as well as some new truths for this week's passage of scripture. So let's do it. Um, as, and as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, one person. All right. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to the righteous, but sinners. Now, John's disciples, this is a new part. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting and people came and said to him, do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, can the fast while the is with them. As long as they have the with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the is taken away from them and then they will fast in that day. So is a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old and a worse tear is made and puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine will be destroyed. And so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Okay. So here's, here's where, where I wanted us to start. I wanted us to start right here with this statement. It's okay to start with who you are not and what you don't want as long as you progress to what you do want and who you are, okay? Let me say that again, and I'll say it better because I can see it over here. <laughs> it's okay to start with who you are not and what you don't want as long as you progress to what you do want and who you are. Here's what I mean. There's a lot of negatives, and this is for all the pessimist, pessimistic people in the congregation today, all right? So I care about you too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of negatives right here in these scriptures, in these verses. So Jesus says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Um, and then another verse, it says, as long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Then he says, no one, like no one does this. It's unheard of to do this. No one does this. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. And no one, everybody say no one, puts new wine into old wineskins. So... Here's how I'll relate it first, and then we can kind of break it down a little more personally. Uh, whenever we were planting the church, um, I didn't know all that I wanted the church to be. I knew first what I didn't want us to be. All right? I knew first what I had came, what we were coming not to do. <laughs> I knew first what we were coming not to become. 
I knew first what I did not want to wake in church to be, right? And so then, after I knew what we didn't want to be, then I started praying about, well, God, if it's not this, then what is it? Now, okay, so if that doesn't make any sense, maybe some of you had an idea when you got married about what you didn't want your marriage to look like, maybe from bad experiences or just from, you know, what movies you had watched or whatever. I don't want my marriage to be like this, but you had never had, never, didn't really realize what it was you wanted yet in total for your marriage. All right? You say it like this. Maybe you don't know exactly, for the teens and the young adults in the room, maybe you don't know exactly what you want to do in your life, but you know a few things that you don't want to do yet with your life. Okay? Um, so, so it's okay to start with what we don't want and who we know we're not, but we need to progress at some point into who we are and what God has called us to do. Does that make sense? It's okay to start with the negative. Okay, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be that. But now then, how do we get to where we should be? Um, and that's, that's the challenge, and that's where we have to really lean into God. That's where we have to lean into who he is and what he, what he has for us. Because I don't want to try to figure it out by myself. Otherwise, I'm never going to get it. <laughs> I'm just going to be stuck in what I don't want to be, what I don't want. But if we can, if we can tune into his voice, and especially today in Mark 2, then I think we can progress a little further into what he wants from us. Does that make any sense? All right. So that, that's okay to start there with all those negatives that, I just, that, was, that were just on the screen. But now we're going to progress into who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. Okay? Now, the first statement about Jesus that I want us to focus on. Jesus came to call. Jesus came to call. Everybody say that. Jesus came to call. And here's who he came to call. Those who have tried, but have come up short. Jesus came to call, and here's who he came to call. Those who have tried, but have come up short. And that would be all of us. <laughs> all right? So here's what I mean. In Mark chapter 2, we read this last week, but this is the end of what we read last week. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I, not to the righteous, but sinners. All right, sinners, the, the meaning of the word sinners are those that have missed the mark. It's like an archer trying to hit the target, and this archer keeps missing with his arrows. Like there's a target, and it's like bam, 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 everywhere except the target that he needs to hit. All right? And so all of us, <laughs> all of us have had some idea, perhaps, of what we don't want with our life right? Or what we don't want with our marriage, even what we don't want with church or what we don't want in our relationship with God. And we've tried different things like, bam, bam. We've tried to hit the mark different times diff with different things, but we've missed it. <laughs> all right. Jesus would, or the Bible would, would also tell us that all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short we, or else we've all missed the target of the glory of God. We've all missed that in general. We've all missed it. So guess what? Jesus has come to call us 
He's come to call sinners, those who have missed the mark, those who were born into sin and have a sinful condition and can't do anything about their sin. That's who he's called. He's called sinners, right? But more specifically, he's called us and how we've been trying to hit the mark, but maybe lately we've missed. Um, We've been trying to hit the mark in a lot of different ways. But lately we've missed. I want to let you know that Jesus came to call you. Does that make sense? He came to call you. Now, check it out. The whole, this whole portion of Scripture that we just read, apart from last week to this week, guess where it's all, all situated around? It's all situated around the table. Okay? So as he's sitting around the table with all of these people, all of these different people. There's different people at the table, guys. There's different people at the table. There's John's disciples. John's disciples are, are at the table. Remember in, in John chapter 1, some of John's disciples left John and started following Jesus, but evidently these disciples were still kind of a little bit on the fence, those who were almost decided. The Pharisees, they had already decided not to join Jesus, Right? And then there was this group, the tax collectors and the sinners, who were just like, what are you doing here? You know, because they were the worst of the worst. They were like, if, if um, I know I heard from someone that the writers of The Chosen, they're going to make Matthew, the tax collector that we, that we uh, talked about last week, they're going to make him a lot more mean this time. Like a lot more, they're going to make him more like a tax collector so that people don't like him. <laughs> because nobody liked him. You know, nobody liked Matthew. And so sitting at the table are all of these people. And sitting in a room like this, there's, we are all perhaps at different stages of our life. And guess who he's come to call? All of us. He's come to call all of us. Those of you who have never entered into a relationship with Jesus and, and you know you're a sin, sinner and you've, you've been constantly missing the mark and, with your sin and you've never accepted the free gift of salvation in Jesus, guess what? He's come to call you. Those of us who have accepted Jesus and yet we're kind of struggling with how to, with how to hit the target or, 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 or hit the mark in, in our relationships, in the church, with our commitments, in our job, we're struggling with how to exactly hit the target. He's come to call all of us. Right? He has come to call. And that call, it's an invitation. It's an invitation. That's what the word, call, that call there, it means an invitation. So you're already at the table, right? You've already come into the room, but it's like there's an invitation for you to RSVP for something a little more. Does that make sense? You already have a seat at the table because you are among the loved of God. We are all among the loved of God. But there's an RSVP for more. There's an invitation. And it's not one of those RSVPs. Well, you can if you want, that you can kind of put away. You get it in the mail and you're like, oh, maybe I'll RSVP a little later. And you kind of get it. If you're like us, we stick stuff in the bookcase of death and we never see it again. Right? <laughs> but this isn't an RSVP that like you can, you should put away. This is, or put off. This is an invitation. Okay? Now, now, what exactly is he calling us to? Now, I want to I just kind of paint the picture, too, of how absurd this whole scene is as well. Everybody still with me? Shake your head. So this whole scene is really, really strange. It's absurd. 
Because on one hand, you have people complaining to Jesus about who he's eating with. And on the other hand, you have people complaining that Jesus and his disciples, that they, that they aren't fasting. <laughs> so it's like they're complaining about him, him eating and not eating. They're complaining about like, like these, these, these two things. And so it's like, Jesus, could he please everybody? Absolutely not. <laughs> and he didn't care. He didn't care. Because he had an invitation to make, to give to people. And he wanted them to RSVP for something even greater. So they're sitting at a table. And for some of us, when we, when we come, to, come even to church, I'm trying to click the next slide here. Just give me that other one. Thank you, Jeff. Um, they're sitting at a table, and this is at Matthew's house, right? Everybody shake your head Yes. All right, so, so this is at Matthew's house, and Matthew has, has evidently invited people to this dinner party. And Jesus now is, 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 is inviting them into something more. And so what was the more that he was inviting them to? He was inviting them to a wedding feast. <laughs> if, you would, if you would care, if you will hear my call in RSVP, where you're at right now is so much more than just the dinner party. There's so much more to what you're doing right now than just showing up at church. There's so much more. There's so much more happening in your daily devotions than just going through and reading the Bible and praying. Like there's so much more happening. There's so much more that he's inviting you to in your marriage than just staying together. Though that is a plus. There is so much more that he's inviting you to as parents than just get raising your kids and giving them to, giving, uh, uh, making a way for them to have a good career and make good money and all that. Like there's so much more. There's so much more that he's calling us to than to just grow the church uh, numerically. There's so much more. And as they were sitting around the table, like this was mind-blowing for them to hear this. Because they, they had no idea what they had really come to. And it's kind of the same thing like for us. Like sometimes we just come and we don't realize the, like the, the, the gravity or like the, 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 uh, the importance of what we've come to a lot of times when we come on Sundays or we come to a small group or we come on Tuesdays or when we bow to pray with our kids or whenever we're praying ourselves or like any ways that we connect with God. Like we don't always fully grasp it, but Jesus was asking them to RSVP for something more and he was about to tell them this something more and he was inviting them in that moment to a wedding feast it's a dinner party at Matthew's it didn't look like a wedding but what had just happened whenever Jesus called Matthew and Matthew got up and left everything Matthew had just pledged himself to the groom metaphorically speaking Jesus because God, in all of his fullness, has always been depicted, metaphorically speaking, as the groom of Israel. Israel the bride, God the groom. Shake your head like this. So Jesus, now, when they have a question about what is he doing? What are you doing eating with these people? Why aren't, why, what is happening? He, can, he contextualizes it, he, he, he puts it, he paints the picture of a wedding and a wedding feast for them. And 
So, so he is the bridegroom, and there are certain things you can and can't do at a wedding, right? So, so this is the picture. He's eating with Matthew. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to pay attention to my passion today. I don't want you to pay attention to, to how, I, how I raise my voice or I lower my voice. I just want us to really zero in on Scripture today and what's happening. Because Jesus is inviting them to a wedding feast at the house of Matthew, but it looks nothing like a wedding. <laughs> and here's what I mean. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. So they're like Jesus and his disciples because, so, so two things about fasting in, the, in, in ancient Israel, okay? So there were usually two days for the most pious or the most like uh, strictest, the most, uh, the most religious people in Israel. There were usually two days that they would fast, Monday and Thursday. <laughs> so this was probably either a Monday or a Thursday that Jesus shows up at Matthew's house and they're eating. And so that's what caused the question from these people, like, Jesus, why are you eating? This is, this is obviously a day of fasting. Now, it wasn't a corporate fasting day. The Day of Atonement was really the only corporate day of fasting in Israel where everybody was expected to go without food. That's what fasting means, go without food. Everybody say food. Go without. Go without food. It's fasting. It's hard for us to get our minds around, but that's what fasting is, right? Go without food. So that's what, that's what was happening on this Thursday. And so Jesus is gathered. He's there at Matthew's house. There's people fasting, and obviously there's people not fasting. And so there's questions that come to mind. And I'm, and I'm thankful that Jesus, that Jesus answers the question like he does because he shows him that there's so much more than what's right in front of him. And by the way, the, 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 um, uh, the task or the, the job of a pastor and or the elders in a church is oftentimes, and I heard it this week, is just to lead you to what's in front of you. And that's what Jesus was, was doing to these guys gathered around the table. He was simply leading them to who was right in front of them. They had questions about fasting, and he's like, look, they can't fast when the bridegroom is with them. And I love the word that he actually uses whenever he, he says, can the wedding, groom, wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. It's like they don't have the power to fast. That's the word used there. Like they cannot. They, it's the Greek word dunamis. Like they don't have the power to fast when I'm with them. Because why do we fast after all? We fast because something is missing in our life, namely Jesus. All right? His fullness. Like there's something, in other words, we fast because we want him, we want to get close to him. Like we don't have the fullness, like face to face that we desire with Jesus. So I'm going to fast until I can sense you more. I, I'm going to fast until I can feel you more. My family doesn't have the fullness that I want them to have. There's some of them not saved. And so there's Jesus is missing in some way from their life. So I'm going to go without food. That's fasting, Right? And so while the bridegroom is with them, there's no use to fast. So Jesus is like, hey, I'm with them. There's no reason for these guys to, be, to fast. And it would, it would have been unheard of. Check it out. Even the most pious of Jews would not have fasted on a wedding day. 
Because a, a wedding day is not a day of mourning, which fasting is likened to. A wedding day is a day of joy. Yes, celebration. And so Jesus contextualizes this whole conversation and he answers their question in terms of don't you know where you're at? There's a bridegroom here. These are all my wedding guests. These are all people invited to this wedding celebration. So it's impossible for them to fast. Like they don't have the power to fast right now. Some of us wonder, whenever we see how well other people are going through tragedies, like how they do it. Have you ever wondered that? When they're going through something challenging, like how do they go through that? Because they have power in that moment that we don't have outside of that. Yeah, it's a special grace. Whenever we see how well somebody's doing with something that we're like, what, I don't know, I, don't, I can't imagine how they're doing that. There's a power there that they've been given. And just like now, and here's what I want us to tap into as a side note, like we have power to fast right now because our bridegroom has been taken away. Right? He has, in other words, the word taken away means like he's, he's been lifted away, the ascension. So we have power to fast now, but... I thought it was really interesting that Jesus called their attention to exactly where they were. This is a wedding feast, and weddings were a huge deal in ancient Israel. Weddings were a huge deal. Um, brides, I just want to say just a little bit about this. Brides would be chosen, the chosen. The brides would be chosen by the father, of the, the father of the groom. Brides would be chosen, but there always had to be um, uh, a consent, in other words. There had to be, like Jesus, in this instance, he wasn't going to override Matthew's will. He wasn't going to override the Pharisees' will. He wasn't going to override John, John's disciples' wills. will. They had to also agree to this relationship. They had to, in other words, RSVP for this wedding, like Matthew had. And so then, after the bride would agree to this marriage, then they would, be, they would begin preparing then for what they would call betrothal. And we know this as we go into the Christmas narratives, right? Mary and Joseph were betrothed or else they were engaged. And this engagement process would last for about a year and they would come together and usually there would be a bridal price, right? There was a price paid for the bride that the groom would give to the bride's father. This is how much I value your daughter. This much, now are you, are you understanding some of the the, 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 uh, the, the, um, the meanings about Christ now, right? What about the price that he paid for his bride? Shake your head like this. Everybody okay? All right. So, so there was a price that, that, the, that, the, that, the, uh, that the groom would have to pray to pay to the bride's father in order to have the bride. And then they would put, he would, there would be um, physical reminders of their, 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 their covenant that day is they would gather in a betrothal ceremony. He would give them a, perhaps a ring. And so, so they, in, the terms, in, in, the, in the time of their engagement, then the bride would be able to look at the ring and, and remember the commitment of her betrothed. 
for us, Christ gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can remember as a seal or a down payment of his love for us and our belonging to him. Okay? Now, after the betrothal ceremony, the, the groom would actually go away for who knows how long, sometimes a year, sometimes up to two years. And, would, and what the groom would do was prepare a place for the bride. Usually at her father's house, he would prepare a place for, this, for his bride. And when that room was prepared and only the father would be able to tell the, tell the groom that now this room is prepared for your bride. Remember, Jesus says only the father knows the hour, not the son, nobody else. Only the father knows whenever Jesus is coming back for his bride here on earth. And so the father would say, yes, son, now go get your bride. And so the bride, or the, so now the groom would go get his bride. He would make a, make a journey. And sometimes it was in the middle of the night. But what was the, what was the job of the bride this whole time? Her, her response was to be ready. Everybody say ready. Everybody still with me? It's really hard for me to sit on this chair. Um, but her response was to be ready. Now, Jesus gives a parable in, in the Gospel of Matthew, and he talks about um, inviting all of these different people to a wedding feast. A king had, well, let me just read it to you. That'd be all right? I'll do it anyway. It doesn't really matter. All right. So I want you to read, listen to this. Don't turn there. I just want you to listen. Again, Jesus spoke, this is Matthew 22. He said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. That's what, that's what had happened up to this point with the prophets and those that God had sent to prepare his people. So the king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those, those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore, therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you would find. Everyone around. Remember how many people were sitting at the table that day with Jesus in Matthew's house. All types of groups, all groups of people, as many as you would find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding was filled with guests. Everybody say filled. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind them hand and foot and cast them into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now check it out. Jesus calls us to the feast, but how good of a, of a, of a host is he? which would have been the, the posture or like the normal thing for hosts of these, of wedding feasts to do, especially a king, was he would be, to, would be to give them wedding garments. All of the guests, they would have a wedding garment that was given to them. 
So how did all the other people in this parable have the wedding get wedding clothes, the wedding garment? Because they had received the garment that was given to them. This one man obviously had not received the wedding garment. And he was just there. And you say, well, that's pretty cruel then for what that king did to cast them out into weeping and gnashing of teeth, outer darkness. Well, check it out. He had the same opportunity as the rest of us. Heaven, heaven is just as real as hell. All right? And all of us will, will have been given an opportunity to put on the wedding garment. And who, what is the wedding garment? The wedding garment is Christ himself. Over and over again in the New Testament, the writers will say to put on Christ. To put on his armor of righteousness. The helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the say, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Like we are to put on Christ. He is our readiness for the wedding feast. It's like I've given you everybody, I've invited you to this, to this, to this feast. I've invited you everywhere. We're all sitting at the table. And now check it out. I've even made like the whole table is set, right? The whole table. And I've even given you the right clothes to wear. I have a wedding, I have one suit, I own one suit. And it happens to be my wedding suit and my funeral suit. But for this, for this illustration, we'll just call it my wedding suit. Mom and dad are listening and they're like, oh, son. I <laughs> they tried to teach me better, guys, I promise. Um, but I know whenever I go to a wedding, like, Unless they tell me otherwise, unless they say, Jeremy, it's okay to wear your blue jeans and your sneakers. Like, I know what I'm supposed to wear to the wedding. I have a wedding garment. I think, Joe, you guys went to a wedding the other weekend, right? You had to have some wedding clothes, right? You didn't go in your fireman suit. <laughs> yeah, you had to buy a whole new thing. Well, let me just, I'll, I'll just go off of that, Karen. Check it out. So Jesus has paid the highest price for you to have wedding clothes. He gave his very blood so that you could be clothed with righteousness. What is righteousness? Rightness. So that you could be clothed with power. So that you could be clothed with, with Christ himself. And, and to give us a little more insight into that, he says, now, no one, everybody say no one. No one. Everybody say no one. no. no one. Go ahead and read the rest of that scripture. No one. Take it from there. All right. So, what we like to do, and, and I love it that Jesus says no one. So, oftentimes... Whenever I try to say something cool, my kids will be like, Dad, no one says that anymore. Like I was, you know, nobody says that. No one. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to say it even more. Um, but Jesus here, he's like, no one. This is unheard of. This is not what you do. No one sews a piece of untrunk cloth or a un piece of unwashed cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and the worst tear is made. 
But here's what we like to do with the wedding garments that Jesus gives us, or with just, just figuratively speaking, with our life in Christ. We kind of like, these are, I kind of, I like these jeans. They're getting quite old, and so they're a lot more even, com- they're a lot more comfortable, right? You know what I mean. You like old jeans, old comfortable stuff. When you get older, this is what happens. We like comfortable stuff. Right, Joe? I mean, did I say Joe out loud? But, okay. <laughs> we like comfortable stuff, right, Jimmy? Yeah, okay. So, I, in the same way with, with our relationship with Christ, like, we kind of like and we don't like the way that we've been living. Here's what I mean. We want the idea of putting on um, a new pair of jeans, it seems really good. The problem is we've got used to a lot. We've got used to how this pair feels. We've got used to how, how, how we usually deal with conflict with people. We've got used to how I usually relate with my spouse. We've got used to how comfortable it feels doing what I've always done the way that I've always done it. And when you put on something new, it's like, ah, it just, just doesn't seem to fit right. And so what we'll do oftentimes is we'll be like, you know what, uh, how, about, how about I just take a patch from you, Jesus. I'll try to, I'll just, I'm just going to try to use Jesus as a patch. After all, I need some better, I need my finances to get a little better, right? I need, I need, uh, I need some things to happen in my marriage, so I want to do this without cutting myself. I want, you know, rather than accepting the whole new pair, the whole new thing that Jesus wants to do in my life, I'll, you know, I'll just kind of patch it up. And usually I don't do any sort of sewing, so that's why I'm using duct tape. This is what, this is what we men are more familiar with, right? Oh, 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 oh. So, <laughs> so, and after all, I kind of like these other holes. This one is just kind of a little close to the thigh area. So I'll just, I'll just put it right there. The problem is, is that Jesus says, no one does that. No one. How can you expect this to work if you're just trying to patch your old pair of jeans up with a new pair? Like, how do you expect this to work? It's not going to work. And and in fact, we've seen this and we know this to happen is that usually whenever we just try to use Jesus as a patch, there's there's a worse tear that's made. When people come to church and maybe make a confession of faith, Maybe they're even baptized, but they haven't really committed their whole life. Like, they haven't died, which is what baptism is. There hasn't been a real death and a burial. What happens is a worse tear then is made. A worse tear in your marriage. A worse tear. Because it just doesn't make sense to use Jesus as a patch. And he's like, this is not the wedding garment that I've given you. I've given you a whole new life. Right? 
And I'm calling today to those people who have missed the mark and have just tried to use me as a patch. I want to do a complete new thing in your life. I want to be your wedding garment. Jesus says, I want to be your readiness. Just go ahead and let my blood cover that sin that you've been struggling with. Come on, let it cover. Let, let my blood forgive you and you experience the complete and total forgiveness of that sin. Does that make sense to anybody? Shake your head like this. It's a complete new thing. And then he says, I'm going to close here. In Mark 2, he says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins, but new wine is for fresh skins. So check it out. Jesus is the joy of the wedding that cannot be contained. He's like, <laughs> this is such an awesome picture. He's like, you, have a, you don't even know what you've come to here at this dinner party but you've come to a wedding feast because Matthew right now, he's betrothed to me. Like, you don't even understand. I've given him a wedding garment and he's ready. And now you see the difference in Matthew's life. Like he's called all of you guys to this feast because I'm the joy of this wedding feast. Like, I am his source of joy. No longer is he, is he joyful at extorting people. No longer is he joyful at having people thrown in prison for not paying their taxes. No longer is he joyful at all the sins that he used to commit. Like, now I am his joy. In other words, I am the wine of the wedding feast. <laughs> and wine is always associated with joy in the Bible. Jesus is the, is the drink of the wedding. He's the food of the Like, he is the substance of this wedding feast. And so, we've been called to not just be containers of this joy, right? Because there's a difference. I was listening to Rick Renner um, this week, and um, he's a theologian, pastor, missionary. And he's like, he had this vase. If you could picture a vase, like an old, ancient vase, and he said, you know, this vase is good for keeping the wine. This isn't what Jesus has called you to be, merely a container. He's called you to be a wineskin, a completely new wineskin, because a wineskin was portable. <laughs> and a wineskin is usually you take what the wineskin somewhere and you pour the wine out, and then what does the wineskin have to do? It has to be refilled. So we are those who can't contain the joy of Jesus at this wedding feast. Like we just want to pour it out and pour it out and pour it out and pour it out. So the why? So that he can refill us and refill us and refill us. And this is the hope of the church. For us to no longer just think of this as like a holy gathering, but there is a genuine purpose to why we gather. It is to meet with our groom, the bridegroom, right? And to allow him to clothe us with his garments, to allow him to, um, to, to become our joy in serving him and to allow him to fill us so that we can go out and share this joy with others and then 
come back and be refilled or be refilled daily in our, in our life with him and our relationship with him. But he is everything we need for this wedding feast. So, How do we end such a, such a message? Simply accepting the invite. I'm going to accept the invite. I'm going to accept the invite to your feast, which by the way, when Jesus comes back to earth to get his bride, we will have a wedding feast with him. It's in Revelation, the end of Revelation, the book of Revelation. We will all be gathered together with him for a wedding feast. And so here is the already but yet not yet kingdom, right? Already we are invited to this feast, but not yet do we experience it in all of its fullness. Because there will come a day when we don't have to be refilled. <laughs> All right, there will be a day, will come a day when we won't have to be refilled in heaven. Like he will be, we will be face to face, no more fasting. He's here, <laughs> right? We are gathered with all the saints from all generations with our bridegroom. He's paid a high price. But bow your heads with me. I'm going to have Shira come up as well. She had some, uh, some words of knowledge today. Before she does that, just, yeah, just go ahead and bow your heads with me. Here you go. There's a microphone, Shira, when you're ready. Um, let's, let's just lean in to, to this bridegroom. Now, One of the ways we're going to do this also is I want the, the guys who are holding the communion to go ahead and um, to go here on the aisle. Uh, I think there's buckets of communion, right, guys? All right, Joe, if you want to help them. So one of you on this side and one of you here. So we're going to do this kind of old-fashioned but before maybe, um, before they take it, so we'll just hold it. Let's pause right there. And this is an invitation. I'll let you know when to, when to pass those out. We have to make our hearts ready. You've been invited. You've been invited. And so why don't we, why don't we just let this be, be a moment of invitation for us to receive what you've been invited to. I'm, I'm making an RSVP. You, this is between you and him. I can't make you do anything, nor would I want you to. But maybe there's some, some in the room or some watching online that you don't have your wedding garment. 
Like you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. What that means is that He forgives you of all your sins and you have assurance that all your sins are forgiven. He wants you to do that today. There's an open invitation for you to put that garment on. His righteousness. You You trade your rags for His righteousness. You trade your sins for His salvation. And and when the communion is passed out here in just a few moments, that body and that blood, the bread and the wine, it's going to be a reminder to you of the price that he's paid for you, his bride. Okay, and I don't want you to accept communion unless you've received those wedding garments and you have assurance of your salvation. Otherwise, Jesus is just patching your life And there's going to be a worse tear made. The Apostle Paul would say, that's why there's many of you sick. Because of not reverencing and honoring the body and the blood of the Lord. So this is an invitation, an open invitation. There's there's a garment. Just tell them what you need. Tell them what you need. It's okay. We're okay. We're okay here today. And then I want you to I want you to allow him to be the joy. I want to allow, I want you to allow him to be like 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 fresh wine and a new wineskin because that's what scripture says that when we come to him we are a new creature in Christ. And I don't want I don't want wine into my new wine into my old wine skin. No one does that. So make me completely new, Jesus. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message. Please subscribe to our podcast and share it with a friend. And if you're ever in the Sebring, Florida area, make sure to come check us out at B&B Theaters every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.